Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Now, prayer has become in our culture, um, I think, kind of a, it's a misnomer. It's a, we use it kind of as a, a salve for our conscience. If, if we pray, our conscience doesn't, doesn't say so much to us. We also use prayer as, a, it's kind of like, uh, some people think prayer is like a genie. You know, you rub the bottle and God does something for you. You know, you ask and he comes and does it. So some people think of it that way. Other people think of it as a first aid kit. You know, a prayer is an act of desperation. It's like, uh, like the sign in a fire extinguisher, use only in emergency. That, that, come on, I'm going to tell you, that's not really what prayer is. Uh, yeah, we pray to God like that, to ask Him. And there's nothing wrong with asking Him in, in, in moments of emergencies, but that's not really the, the foundation of prayer. Some of us think prayer is like a tug-of-war. You've got to convince God to do something so you're always praying. Come on, God. You don't want to do it. So we beg and we plead and we feel like we're pulling. And, and we, pick, we keep pestering God until finally he says, okay, shut up so I can get some rest here. <laughs> no, that's really not what prayer is either. And some of us just think it's a religious duty. Um, and the basic motivation is, is, is guilt. But... Isn't that an interesting? Here's the disciples. They, they've been traveling with Jesus for many years. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen healings. They'd seen people rise from the dead. Seen all these things that Jesus did. And when Jesus comes along in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11, if you want to, the, the parallel scriptures, the disciples asked Jesus, they didn't ask him, how do we preach? How do we do miracles? How do we do this? How do, how do we teach? How do, how do we operate in this? They ask one question. Lord, how do we pray? Lord, teach us to pray. That was the one thing. You know why I think? Because they saw the power of Jesus in prayer. That was what they saw. And so uh, they made that one request of him. How do we... Uh, teach us to pray. And so you remember the, the great, uh, the great uh, scripture, and our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's what he responded. And there's a lot to that. I don't have time to get into that today, but there, there, there's a phrase in there that we'll, we'll comment on it in a little bit. Well, you have to understand that God, uh, the Bible is a mystery. It says prayer is a mystery. Everything about God is mysterious. I like mystery stories. I like to read mystery and you find out and you turn the page. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, that's cool. Well, God is a mystery writer. That's what he is. He's the greatest mystery writer of all time. And one thing that if you, if you read scripture, you start finding out some things that prayer isn't this. You see, I think Christianity has dumbed down prayer. We've made prayer just not really what it is. So I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay, stay with me. 
the whole universe was created for one purpose. You have to get the big picture here. It was created for one purpose. It was created to provide a suitable habitation for the human race. Think about that. The whole, all of creation. Now, I love astronomy. And if you look at astronomy, do you know the universe is growing by the speed of light all the time? And do you know how big the universe is now? I don't even want, I mean, your mind can't even contain it. Our galaxy, just one little tiny galaxy in this huge, there are billions of galaxies. Our one galaxy is 100,000 light years across. It takes 100,000 years for the light to get one from one end to the other. Now, if we're just one small part, and that's the, this big thing, but God created the whole universe to provide a suitable habitation for the human race. And here we are on the earth, this little blue planet. And God plunks us down here. And he says, that's your habitation. And the human race was created for a purpose. Now think about this. Habitation and a purpose for the human race. His purpose was to provide an eternal companion for his son, the bridegroom. In other words, okay, so Adam and Eve, they get this title deed for the blue planet. And they lost it. Right? They lost the title. The Satan came, deceived them. And notice how they lost it. They lost it through speaking and eating. The way you'll gain it back is through speaking and fasting. I can't go there because that's not my message today. But you got to keep following me. So the Messiah comes for a purpose. He, t- he comes to take back the legal right to the home of his bride. To give birth to his church. And by that, to obtain his bride. So it says in Ephesians 4, 11, if you, go, if, you, if you go to Ephesians 4, you'll find that it says Jesus took captivity captive. In other words, the Bible is this whole instructive thing. If you look through the Bible, it is, it is completely complementary. Everything about the Bible is just an amazing mystery story. But Jesus, when he died on the cross, he went to hell for three days. And the Bible says he took captivity captive and he took the title deed of death and hell and Hades he took, and, and the earth. He took the title deed and the keys of, 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 the, of the kingdom, really, the keys of death and hell. And he took them and he says he paraded all these believers who were before the cross. He paraded them to heaven with him. Wow. Can, can you imagine now, I, I, I can just, I, we're going to see a movie in heaven of this, I think. We're gonna, you're gonna go down. Wow, that was something how you did that, Jesus. And, you know, you, you, think about it. Satan was rubbing his hands and he was, they were just shouting and thinking they had this thing. They had overcome the Son of God. And then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit comes, this light starts emanating out of Jesus. He's in hell. Think about it. And the demon said, what's, what, 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 what's going on? What's going on? And the light got brighter and brighter. Because, see, you know, death and hell is all darkness. And when light comes, they scatter. And light began to emanate. And then he just said, give me the keys. 
Now think of, I just, I want to see this video. I really do. The Bible says that, that Satan was paraded and mocked for that which he wasn't. Now think about this. The Bible also says, when we see who Satan is in eternity, we will say, that's the guy that caused all the problems. So, I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate the fact that he has, he takes authority, he, he does it with deception and lying and everything, but he doesn't have real authority. He's not a creator. Satan is not a creator. He can't create anything new. Everything that Satan will try against you, he's already tried. Because he has no way to create. Does that make sense? So here we are. Messiah came for a purpose. He took back the title deed and the legal right to the home of his bride. And then uh, through, our, through our history, uh, God purposed to bring to his son an eternal companion called the bride or the lamb's wife or the church. You can name it various things. And this bride is to share the throne of the universe with her Lord and her husband following the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, you think you've been to some good wedding ceremonies and receptions? You wait. The marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be this incredible uh, reception that none of us have ever encountered. And, you know, there's no time in heaven, but it's going to go on for a long time. I'll just give you that. So, but if, if the bride is to share the throne of the universe with the bridegroom, Jesus... She has to be trained, educated, and prepared for her queenly role. Wouldn't you think so? Uh, I think there's an American, what's her name, Meghan Markle or something, became the wife of one of the princes of the United Kingdom. Was Was it William? Whatever it is. Harry? Okay. Whatever their names are. Anyway, she became his wife. But, you know, she had to go through training. She had to learn everything they do in the royal court. Even when the, uh, William and Harry were little boys, they were trained to be in the royal family. They had to go through training. This is true. They had to be tutored. They had to be tutored to know what to do when, as, as their princes. And so we are the church. You don't just get saved so you can go to heaven. Listen, if the purpose of God was to get you to heaven, which it isn't just to get you to heaven... If, once you get saved, let's just shoot you and let you go to heaven. If that was his purpose. But it isn't his purpose. His purpose is to save you, make you the bride of Christ, and train you and educate you and get you ready to rule and reign with Jesus, the bridegroom, forever and ever. That's his purpose. Okay, he's still her. You, you following this line? So, part of... Her role, our role, the church's role, the bride's role, will be the administration of the king's will. Overseeing all parts of his vast eternal realm. That's what the Bible says. When you, if, if you suffer with me, you're going to reign with me. Well, what does it mean to reign? Well, we have to reign over something. And so, in order to prepare the church for her role, God ordained a plan of preparation for her. Now follow me. This included, and the major part of it, was the strategy of prayer by which his bride would enter into personal conflict with Satan and his hierarchy and overcome their opposition. 
Now, it's to give the church exercise and practice in overcoming. If, listen, why didn't God just get rid of Satan? He rebelled in heaven. He should have just thrown him in the pit back then. But no, he said, the Bible says, and if you go to Luke, uh, Michael and his angels cast him out of heaven as a, as a lightning. And he, what did he do? He came to the atmosphere of the, of the blue planet, the earth. Why? Why would God do that? So we could train on him. So we could learn to overcome. So we could face opposition and win. That's the only purpose. If, there was, if, if, if that wasn't the purpose, God would have gotten rid of him. Think about it. So next time you're in this conflict, you think, God, would you just get me out of it? No, he wants you to offer his word from your mouth that you overcome him and you win. Now, so we're, get, we're getting exercise and practice in overcoming. That's why you've got to learn how to pray. And this, the character acquired in overcoming is a necessary prerequisite to rulership with Christ. God's master plan is to produce overcomers for the throne. And it was through prayer. Prayer isn't necessarily just to uh, uh, persuade God to do something. He already wants to do it. He already started it in his heart. He gives you the thought and then you're to pray it. That's what he wants to do. And part of the mystery, the most amazing thing, that's why marriage is so important and why God settles what marriage is. Because in Ephesians chapter 5... In verse 31 and 32, we see this amazing statement about, about, uh, uh, about the, the bride. Let me read it to you. And it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he talks about a a husband and wife on earth, and he says, oh, by the way, that's not really what I'm talking about. It's about the bride and the bridegroom, Christ and the church. So God's writing this mystery thing, and he's trying to get our attention. And so all of a sudden, we, we see in God's eternal purpose that the church, the bride, as Christ's eternal companion, is to occupy the highest position in the universe short of the Godhead itself. And we get ready for it and are tutored for it through our prayer in our lives. So is it just a first aid kit anymore? Nope. And since this bride is to share the throne with the bridegroom, she's got to be trained, educated, prepared. And God placed the church in apprenticeship on earth for this eternal sovereignty with Christ. And by practicing in our prayer closets the enforcement of heaven's decisions in mundane affairs, the church is in training for ruling with Christ in the heavens. We've got to learn the art of spiritual warfare. I'm telling you, some people don't like to hear the word warfare, or maybe even spiritual at times. But I'm telling you, that's what it's all about. We're here, but... The Bible gives us all the weapons that we need. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And so what happens is God delegated to the church, us, the authority to enforce his will on the earth 
so that we, all of us, might acquire the character and the know-how so we can be the bride of the king of the universe. I just summarized it. Isn't that great? I mean, that, that's what prayer is all about. So once you see the big picture, without a vision, the people perish. Listen, if you just think prayer, prayer is just mundane, prayer is this, prayer is that, you, you, you'll, you're, 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 you're falling far short. I think the church uh, does the least common denominator for things. We've kind of been dumbed down. The enemy wants to dumb us down because if he can, if he can deceive us into thinking prayer is not effective or efficient, then he's won. But it's interesting, is it not, that, that uh, notice how often earth, now here's, here's the point, God wants to bring heaven and earth together. That's, he's trying to do that right now. The Bible says the, the family of God is both in heaven and on earth. And we, we all get all caught up in, well, I just want to get to heaven. No, you don't. Not, not necessarily, because what God is going to do, he's going to, he's going to build a new heaven and a new earth. And I don't have time to get into that. But you bring, but the Bible says when the disciples ask God to teach them, Jesus to teach them how to pray, what did he say? You say this first, our Father which art in heaven. In other words, you honor God, you bless him, you thank him, you praise him, you worship him. Then it says, and pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, you know what we do? We call heaven down to earth. Now, I'm, uh, Mark mentioned on the, in the video, but I'm active in, in Washington, D.C. We, we pray for senators and congressmen. We've been doing that for 20 years. We go in their offices and pray for them. And, and with, without exception, every time we go in there, God shows up and something happens. It's just a minute. I'll tell you a story in just a minute. But it's, it's amazing how prayer begins to change atmospheres and change things and and how God wants heaven to come down to earth and the atmosphere of heaven to be activated on earth. That's why he says all the things about earth all the time. He, you know, in scripture it says, whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. In other words, what we do when we pray is we activate the will of God from heaven on earth. And the reason why... Orange County isn't seeing the glory of God is because we don't we haven't been praying that way. And this is true of any area. God wants you to be active in bringing his atmosphere to earth where whatever geographic place you're at. If the Bible also says if 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 two of you shall agree as touching anything on earth it shall be done. I mean that that's just that's crazy. And so what what is it's The Bible also says, to him that overcomes in Revelations 3, will I grant to sit with me on my throne. This was no afterthought. It was God's plan for all eternity. He wants us to sit with him. And so God's prayer program is his method of preparing us. So so the purpose of prayer is for the reason of the operation of the practice of prayer is God's master plan. And he has bound himself. Now, this is fascinating. He has bound himself to the church. For our prayers, God is finished speaking with his own voice on earth. You are the body of Christ, and you are to speak for him. Think about that one. So what he wants to do is open our mouths. That's why 
I said the battle of the universe is around your tongue. If we open our mouths and pray, things happen. Get this. Listen. Prayers don't die. That means every prayer that has ever been offered to God from Orange County for Orange County is already still sitting there. God is waiting for more prayers to fill the cup so that it can be poured out. You see, there's two cups, according to scriptures, that sit over every geographical area, nation, city, whatever. It's the cup of blessing and the cup of iniquity. Whichever one is filled up first will be poured out. That's whenever, that's why I say when we bring teams into Washington, D.C., we bring them in and we're praying for these leaders. I say, it could be your prayer that puts the cup over for blessing for the nation right now. Let's pray. That'll get you praying. And can I tell you, prayer isn't, Almighty God in heaven above, you go on and on and on about that. Prayer is help. Prayer is, Lord God, just come down. You said, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray, heaven, uh, heaven, come out of heaven and come to earth right now. I pray in Orange County, your will would be accomplished. You'd begin to work in this area, that area. You, You need to start. Can I give you one story? I have so many stories, but. Uh, back years and years ago, there was a there was a bill going to go through Congress. So a bunch of us decided to just drive around the Capitol and pray. We did it for about three days. Just prayed, just prayed against this because it was an evil thing. I'm not going to get into all the details, but it was an evil. So we prayed and prayed in prayer, in prayer. God reversed it, and it was a miracle because everybody said it was going through, and it didn't go through. I don't know how many times we've done that. And, and you say prayer isn't powerful? Oh, come on. Prayer is you believing that God can do what he said he'd do. And then praying from your heart and seeing it happen. I, I think one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible is Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. It says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy, but I found none. He didn't find one. I'm telling you, God's looking for somebody in Orange County. Did you know every major uh, move of God in the world always started with one person on their knees praying? And just, just one person decided, the Wales revival started with one man deciding it was time to see God move and bent and bent himself and his prayer was basically Lord bend me and we see that God wants to do something now that there is great possibilities in prayer it trains us it gets us ready for what we're supposed to to be and 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 notice this God never goes over the head of the church to enforce his decision God has a will he speaks to you that will he wants you to pray that into being if you don't pray it God won't make it happen Because if he did, if he did that, what would happen is he would actually abort his purpose to bring his church to full potential and maturity. You see? And so he's not going to spoil us by taking out of our hands. He wants us to practice. 
And I don't care. Once you're a believer, you, sh- you should be a prayer. Does that make sense? I mean, there, there's the, do you know there's no gift of intercession in the Bible? There's no gift that God gives for prayer. Now, I, we, we see in the church, certain people seem to have an inclination and a proclivity to prayer more than others. Maybe they just kind of caught this before we did. But we're all called to pray. Now, I call... Excuse me, I get in... I like speaking about this. You know what I call prayer? The great adventure. Any prayer meeting you're at with me, it will not be dull. No, it won't. It's not going to be boring. It's not going to be dull. We're going to call God to do certain things, and we're just going to see amazing things happen. John Wesley said this, God will do nothing but an answer to prayer. So, you know what I do? I pray the news. I see all this junk happening on TV. I go, in Jesus' name, we just reverse that right now. Why, instead, what, you know what you do? You get all fearful. Oh, look what's happening. Oh, my word. I go, praise God. Look what's going to happen when this is reversed. That's why I, I give you, that's why we go into Washington. And, and when we go into these offices of the congressmen and senators, you know, now think about this. I'm not afraid of going into the offices because I represent the king. They only represent the government. So when I go in, I'm, I'm believing God's going to do something miraculous and special. It happened just the last time we were in D.C. just a, a, a few months ago. We were there, and, and uh, we walked into an office that uh, I'd been in many times, and he, he's a senator that I personally know. And uh, we brought a team of about 25 prayers into that room, and we went in walked in, and I'd prepared him for it. And, see, I'm a musician. And I love worship and, and, and praise. I particularly like four-part harmony, a cappella. I taught Rochelle and her sister how to sing parts. When we would drive, we would drive and I said, okay, Rochelle, you sing this. Tracy, you sing that. And we just, isn't that how we learned? We, I, I taught them how. So we, we sing, you know, four-part harmony. So I trained the whole team. We're going to sing this way. And uh, so we went in. And... Uh, we, we walked into the room, and it's, uh, this, this senator, we prayed for him, for him for years. He was healed of cancer through our prayers. And so when we come in, he's, oh, praise God. Although he didn't say praise God because he's a Mormon. But, but he's really been changed. I believe he has had an experience with Jesus Christ because of our influence over it. So he comes in, and he says, oh, Ken, I'm so glad you're here. So he turns to the team, and he says this. He says, you know, I, I talk in this all, all the time, but i got to tell you, every time you're on my calendar, I know I'm going to have a good day. I know I'm going to have a good week, and God's going to be with me. So, I, so we talked for a little bit, and, and then uh, I said, would you mind if we, we sing? Well, he always wants us to sing. I, there's a background to that. I don't have time to tell you. So we began to sing in our four-part harmony. If you guys don't know a four-part harmony, I'm sorry. I'll have to show you sometime. But we began to sing and worship, and the, and the glory came down. You see, when I go into an office, this is what I always think. I always think I'm carrying the glory of Jesus to these. In a dark place. Washington, D.C. is dark because the enemy wants it. So we go in, and we begin to worship. And all of a sudden, I looked over, and he's weeping. He's just weeping. 
His staff is in there. They're weeping. Our whole team began to weep. The glory of God came down. I mean, it, it was an experience. Kaylee, you were there. You remember. Is, am I telling the truth? Okay. This is what happened. And so the glory of God came down. And uh, nobody could... Sp- we, we, we worshiped and we prayed. And then he couldn't talk. He couldn't speak. He was so overcome. And then he finally got a hold of himself. And he turned to us and he, he said, You know, I was... I just came from the White House just now. I was there with the president for a signing bill. And then he turns to us, he says, but that meeting pales to comparison with this meeting. And then he turned to me and he said this. He said, Ken, all of my colleagues need to experience this. I said, Senator, we can arrange that. My, my point being, I'm not just talking about centers, but business people, uh, neighbors, friends, family. We need to bring the glory of God. Because through that in our prayers, our worship actually, my, my statement is worship actually builds the atmosphere. Prayer is the missile that comes out of the atmosphere and, and completes what God wants to do. So God shapes the world by prayer. Amen. Now, here's, here's a way, here's an analogy to help you with this. Uh, if you ever have had a safety deposit box, the bank holds a key and you hold a key. You go in and the, the, the bank will take one key and you've got to take the other key. You put them at the same time and turn them. That's how you get into your safety deposit box. If you don't have a key, you can't open it up. Now, the keeper has a key. The owner has a key. Neither key alone will open the box. But when you give your keeper the key, both are inserted and the door flies open. Making available all the treasure in the box. Prayer is that way to God. God has a key. You have a key. You insert it together and all the treasure comes out. Wow. Uh, just let me say this. Prayer is not overcoming reluctance in God. God wants to do that. It's not persuading him to do something he doesn't already want to do. Because everything originates in the, in the heart of, of God himself. You know, so many, so many of us don't take time to pray. We, we become in our leisure-filled um, culture. It's almost like someone mentioned this to me once. Someone has described a modern American as a, a person who drives a bank, bank finance car over a bond financed highway on credit card gas to open a charge account at a department store so he can fill his savings and loan financed home with installment purchased furniture. Now, there's probably some truth to that. My whole point is that if we weren't so intoxicated with things and leisure, Maybe we'd have more time for prayer. Now, having a nice home and car, that's not, I think everyone should have that. That's not my point. But I think we need to, we need to start making prayer a priority in our lives. Pray without ceasing, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. We need to make prayer the main business of our lives. 
Now, start out small. If, you, if you've never prayed before, start out with five minutes a day. Go to ten minutes. The Bible actually says Jesus wants us to do an hour a day. Jesus actually said to his disciples, could you not? Could you not stay with me and pray for an hour? Could you not do that? No, they fell asleep. That's why we need to make prayer exciting, adventurous, with a, with a vision for it, understanding of what it's really doing. It's doing something in us as well as getting things done. And we have to see that. So make prayer the major business of your life. I, I'm, unfortunately, prayer, in most, in mo, even in Christian quarters, is mostly window dressing. It's mostly just, you know, ritualistic cosmetic exercise that we participate in. What, what if this church, what if we took off in prayer? We had, we had prayer every day. And when we started our church, do you know we, and this is in Boise, Rochelle will vouch for this. We had prayer every day. We had early morning prayer every morning for an hour. Something happened. And we're still maintaining, we're, we still attempt to maintain prayer. Prayer is one of the hardest things to maintain because I believe Satan knows what it does and he tries to discourage us. That's why if we'll, if we'll catch it, just, and if you've never prayed much, just start with, start with something and see what, see what God will do. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I, I got to tell you the story. Is it okay if I tell a story? Yeah, I'm... I got time. And anyway, Mark said I could do what I wanted to do. So, uh, Don't you appreciate Mark and Michelle? It's just great. Twelve years ago, I, stat, I sat in our house in Washington, D.C. I was there in October 2007. All of a sudden, I saw this. I had an open vision. And I saw this cloud coming from Europe, Asia, Middle East, and Africa. And it was approaching. It was a spiritual cloud. It's approaching America. I saw it. And it was filled. The Lord spoke to me and says, it's filled with spiritual principalities and powers coming to America to bring down Christianity. That was 2007. I go, I was scared. To be honest, with you, I was. I sat there. What do I do, Lord? What do I do? I knew I could. You know, I pray, but man, we got to get the word out. And so we, we, you know, we did what we could over the next course of the next few years. So a few years ago, the Lord then spoke to me. He said, "Remember the cloud? Yeah, I sure do. How are we going to overcome it?" And the Lord spoke to me. Take a look at uh, my servant Abraham. And then he spoke something to my heart. He was the best intercessor of the Old Testament. I said, how come? Well, read it. So I go to Genesis 18, 19. You know what it says. Abraham's looking over Sodom and Gomorrah. And he starts interceding with God. And he bargains with God from 50 down to 10. That's an intercessor. And he was going to save the nation if only 10 people were were vital and, and, and you know, righteous in that city. The Lord spoke to me and said, you can save America if you raise up 10 praying leaders in every congressional district in America. 
You know how many that is? That's 435. There's 430. Do you know how many you have in California? Come on, people. you got to know this stuff. There's 53 in California. Every congressional district is about 800,000 people. What if we had prayer leaders in every congressional district that were praying for their leaders? Now listen to this carefully. 1 Timothy 2.2 2 tells us this. Pray for your kings and those in authority so you can live a quiet and peaceable life. Can I ask you, are you praying for your leaders? I would guess probably not. Some of you don't know who they are. Shame on you. Really. You need to know your representative, your senators. You have two senators in your state. Do you know who they are? They're both female. You need to pray for them. Whether you like them or not, whether you really like them, really don't like them, the Bible says you're to pray for them. Pray for your leaders and those in authority so you can live a quiet and peaceful life. You know why we're not living quiet and peaceable today? Because people aren't praying for their leaders. Okay, I'm launching into stories and I've got to be careful here. You know how God ta taught me this? I'm in Washington, D.C., 1999-2000. I'm visiting my senator at the time, my wife and I, Connie. We were in his office, we were talking, and he looked at his watch and says, oh, Ken, I've got to go over to the... To the Senate chambers, we have, uh, we have the opening day of, of impeachment uh, testimony. It was during President Clinton's impeachment. And so he said, I got to go. Uh, you want to come with me? I said, well, sure. So we go over, we get on the train that goes from the Senate offices to the Capitol. We get on the train, he introduces to a bunch of other senators there. And they're all going over. And nobody, nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants, in, in the, at least in that day, nobody wanted to impeach anybody. The, the House is the prosecutors. The Senate is the jury. The Supreme Court, head Supreme Court justice is the judge. And the Senate chaplain opens with prayer. So we go over. He takes us up to the, the gallery. And we sit down. They open with prayer. The place is packed. Every senator is at his desk. That never happens. It's only happened in two times since I've been in the, over there in Washington, D.C. But they each have a, a desk. They usually go in and out just to do their votes. But they're all at their desk preparing for this testimony. They open with prayer. The judge gavels it in. And the Lord spoke to me as loud as you speaking to me right here. He told me this. This is not the impeachment of your president. This is the impeachment of the church for not praying. Because at that day, at that time in history, most most Christians didn't like him, didn't like Bill Clinton in office. And so they didn't pray. It doesn't matter who's in office, you need to pray. I don't care if you all this I I gotta be careful, I'll launch into political stuff here. But the point is, whether you like President Trump or not, you're responsible to pray for him. If you want change, pray for him. Stop, stop complaining. All these politicalites all complaining, all saying this, all saying that, it's not going to change anything. The only thing that will change is through prayer. That changed my heart. I realized 
after that day that I, when I went into a congressman's office, uh, to a senator's office, I was there representing God and I was going to pray for them. I don't care if I liked them or not. I've never had one senator or congressman refuse to, to pray with me in 20 some years. That's how much they realize they need it. So I'm telling you today, through all of this, is, is the message coming through? Lord, I hope you're being trained through prayer to make a difference for you, to make a difference for the nation, and to bring God's purpose into being. <laughs> I guess I better stop. So here's, here's, here's the answer. The, the body politic of the world, think about this. The, what is the body politic? That's the influential governmental. The praying people are actually the body politic of the world and the church holds the balance of power in world affairs not this not the you know secretary of state not even the president by means of the church's prayer power and to the extent which we use it the praying church is actually deciding the course of human events and when the books of heaven are opened and the spiritual history of the nations of the world is unfolded when the archives of heaven are thrown open. It will re be revealed that history was made not in the council chambers of the great, not in the parliaments, not in the senate chambers, but in the hidden and secluded prayer closets of the saints in the nation, in the churches that are praying, in the hearts of the saints that are praying out to God. So can I say, the great adventure is where the prayer action is. That's why God just... And I know, I, I, you, you get tired at times. But I'm telling you, God wants to use you to pray this nation into its proper place. I close with this verse. Psalm 149, verse 6. says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments upon the peoples. That's talking about principalities and powers. It's talking about directing nations. To bind their kings with chains, principalities and powers, and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the written judgment, this honor have all his saints. This honor has all his saints. If we would arise, we could execute God's will in the United States of America. Now, I didn't tell you the end of the story with the 435. So God has opened up an opportunity for us to start this whole strategy of getting 10 leaders of prayer in every congressional district in America. I, I, I go to several places in just a couple weeks. We're putting together the team, the strategy, the people. We need praying people in America. You need praying people for Orange County. Come on. I mean, people. When we see New York City, or New York, the state of New York, deciding to legislate babies being aborted killed basically it's killed it's infanticide to even to the moment of birth something's wrong come on people something's wrong because those are babies that god has already intended for a purpose and a destiny so you know what we need to do we need to start praying Let's send some prayer teams to New York and start walking around that Capitol building.
Let's, let's, whatever it takes, we need to do. You need prayer in California. Now, in two years, this is going to be another election. You can, you can complain all you want. But if you're not a praying person, you keep your mouth shut. Does that make sense? Because our prayers will actually be more advantageous and helpful than any complaint or anything you'll try to do in your act of anything else. So, how do I end this? Well, if you'll pray, you'll be edified, built up. You can learn a lot by studying. You can learn a lot by podcasts. You can learn a lot by these things. But I want to tell you the deepest secrets are reserved for those who pray. The Bible says that. Those who fear Him. The word fear Him is get close to Him. Because, see, God doesn't have a loud megaphone. He has a still, small voice. And you got to get close to Him to hear it. And when you... When you, get here, when you get close to him, you're praying, you will hear secrets and spiritual visions and hidden revelations and insights that would take you hours, if years, to, to get. But in the God's secret place, you can get them in a moment of time. You, I, I, you know what I think? I think we're forfeiting priceless and invaluable secrets, even inventions, not known to man, that if we get close to God, he will give it to us. God waits to share the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if I was Satan, I'd get you so you're not praying. We're occupied with all these temporal things. When God says, really what I want you to do is pray. Few of us really believe it. I, I, I ask people, do you believe in prayer? Oh, yes. Well, how, long, how often do you pray? Oh, then you don't really believe it. If we really believed it, we would pray. I I guess I'm finished. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.